From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for December 9th, 2009 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined by my good friends, Walter Eccles, Kathy Whirling, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Back in the peanut gallery, Miss Julie Martin, who's sitting in a comfortable chair, uh, Teresa Eccles, and Max the Intern. Uh, in this week's show, we'll have uh, David Parfit and his interview with Imagineers Kevin Rafferty and Sue Bryan two of the creative forces behind Toy Story Mania, and we will continue our discussion of holiday events in and around Orlando. All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. We do have a number of things in housekeeping, not the least of which is the uh, release of e-ticket, which took place uh, yesterday, well, Monday for those of you listening, because this will be on Wednesday, but... We're recording on Tuesday, and yesterday we uh, we released the app. Finally, a year in the planning, um, and uh, did very well. Did we had a really good first day? We had a really good first day, and uh, we know there are a couple of minor tweaks that need to be made. We are working on those, but everybody seems real happy with it. It's getting some some good word of mouth. I'm really happy about that. They were so. anxious for this to be released. Oh, I know because uh, you know at three o'clock in the morning on Monday. You know, they were downloading it and posting mm-hmm. from it, and I was like, "Oh my lord!" People stayed up to get it, and yep, it was it was great. It was great. We're we're really happy. We're really happy with it. And uh, yes, I am going to be hawking it on the show. So just get over yourself. Get over it now, okay? <laughs> we put a lot into this. I'm hawking it on the show. I also want to mention that um, if you do have the app and you do run into issues, while you can post on the boards, we're fine with it. The easiest way and the best way to get things resolved and to get it in the pipeline for us to get it fixed is to go to eticketapp.com. There's a support page and submit it there. That's yeah. That's where the develop what the developers are, are watching and paying attention to. So it's going to get addressed right away there. Like I said, you know, I want to be clear about this. Nobody's saying you can't post on the boards if you're having a problem with it. I'm not telling anybody not to do that. I'm just saying that you're not going to get a lot of technical support there because there's no way the developers are going to be able to monitor all, you know, what is it, 50-some-odd forums that we have on the disk. It's just not feasible. It's not realistic. So please, uh, as as Corey said, eticketapp.com forward slash support is the page uh, where you can enter any issues you're having with the app. And uh, it'll get taken care of uh, that way. Can I address one thing that sure. comes up a lot? The the most common complaint so far is that people are having trouble logging into the boards from the application. Keep in mind your board login and your password are case sensitive. This is one of the biggest issues that people have is they forget that and then they say it's not working. Take a few extra seconds, make sure you're typing it in exactly right. Right. It, in virtually every case where we had... Uh, login issue yesterday, that was it. It was corrected when they uh, checked the password for uh, capitalizations and things like that. So, yeah, that's a good thing to keep in mind. But uh, uh, one other thing I want to mention is uh, regarding our live recording uh, this, uh, this Sunday at the Swan Dolphin after our Toy Story Mania events and seminars. 
And uh, that will be our final show of the year. That will go up, I believe, it's December 14th. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks off, and then we'll be back at the beginning of January with a uh, slightly refreshed format. Completely different. We won't one. recognize anything. Actually, like, none of us are doing the show anymore. It's going to be like all new people. One microphone. But they're going to assume our personalities. It's going to be the woman from the the appliance store, Appliance Direct. Oh, all of our no. She's doing it. Yeah, but, it, but again, you know, for 99.9% of our listeners, they have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, actually, the local they commercial. do. They, they talk about it a lot. Well, that's a, if you see the commercials while right. you're here. But for a lot of people, they don't see the Appliance Direct commercials. It's just it's an obnoxious woman, pitch woman, who sells scratch and dent washers, washers, <laughs> and wears a knee brace and gets her <laughs> get, gets her dresses from like picnic tables. It's a lime green leisure suit <laughs> and a knee brace. Appliance Direct. <laughs> If you've got a truck, you are the man. <laughs> and the God, that's what she says. <laughs> so, yeah. Like I said, local television here in Orlando is uh, its kind of like a trip to deliverance uh, sometimes. So I just wanted to remind everybody of that. What else do we just, have in house? And also, just kidding. It's not going to be a completely different show. Don't panic. It's not leaving. Right, exactly. Oh, at this point, yeah. <laughs> Um, can we give away a prize? No, no. Oh, sorry, yeah. Nikki Bell. <laughs> yeah, we can give right. we can give Nikki a prize. We can give oh. we can give her a prize. What, what what number did she pick? Thirteen. Number thirteen for Nikki. You have won. A six-day, five-night resort magic package at the Disneyland Resort in Holy Wow. You and up to three additional guests will enjoy accommodations at the beautiful Disneyland Hotel, as well as length-of-stay park hopper passes for each member of your party. You will also be assigned a personal vacation planning consultant from Dreams Unlimited Travel, who will help you plan the complete itinerary for your trip and will make all your dining and recreation arrangements for you. It's just part of the excellent service provided for all their clients by Dreams Unlimited Travel. Some restrictions do apply, and all reservations are subject to availability. The approximate retail value of this prize is $1,500. Yours courtesy of DreamsUnlimitedTravel.com and the Diz Unplugged. Congratulations. Wow. She told me she stressed and stressed over what number she was going to pick for a couple of days. Nikki stresses and stresses over Cool Whip. That is. So apparently number 13 was really lucky for her. That has been in. That's been in there for a while. Um, been waiting to give that one away. So congratulations, Nikki. That's. Uh, we have to warn Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this the part where we say "just kidding" and give her a twenty dollars gift card? Sorry. So congratulations, Nikki. Good. I'm glad we were able to able to do that. That'll make her very uh, very happy, and you know, yay. <laughs> we didn't do that. Yay. Yay. So. Anything else for housekeeping? Uh, I have an item in housekeeping. Last week, uh, we announced that during our party at Toy Story Mania... John will be doing the single ladies dance. No. I'm telling you, it's on our ABD trip. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was on the podcast cruise. Then it was at the Toy Story Mania party. Which point? No. <laughs> People, the next generation is not going to know the Beyonce video. Good. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Um, we announced last week that at the Toy Story Mania party, the merchandise location was going to be open. If you wanted to shop, that's not true. 
they have told us that if we want to open the merchandise location... Yeah, listen to this. Listen to this. They got nerve. They got real nerve. We have to guarantee them $1,500 in sales. And if we don't make $1,500 in sales at that location, we have to pay them that much money. Okay. And by nerve, I mean balls. Okay? (laughs) Really and truly. Wow. When John told me that, I'm like, okay, tell them the... Well, I won't say exactly what I said. Can you spend that much money there at that little gift shop? It's like, yeah, there's four T-shirts <laughs> and a thousand Woody doll. And, and honestly, I'll be honest with you. When we did the walkthrough and they said, would you like to have the uh, uh, the store open? You know what I thought to myself? You know what? Somebody would be able to get some overtime, work a party, you know, this time of year. Cast member makes some extra money. Never in a million years did I think they were going to impose a minimum on it like, you know, a bar. You know, I understand with the with the bar. You know, we have there has to be a minimum number of, of sales, and uh, and we have to make that up. But a merchandise location, okay, that takes. Yeah, this is gonna be like twenty five bucks a person, right? Everybody have to go in and shop and spend at least twenty bucks to make that. Exactly. So well, that's okay because now Disney has that coupon out. If you stop at a quick service place, you get twenty percent off your merchandise at the like the big stores in the parks. So everybody just go Ooh, do their they're shopping trying to get there. them out of those restaurants. Nobody can get reservations. Well, I never thought of it that way. You know, they're trying to get them out of those restaurants so that they open up those tables. Yeah. So those of you who are looking forward to shopping that evening, sorry. It won't be happening. Yeah, you'll just have to spend the rest of your vacation shopping every place <laughs> you turn. Exactly. <laughs> so that just that just killed me. So what else? You came in with boxes again. I do. I have a box. Oh, My house is where boxes <laughs> go to die. I just want you to know this. It appears to be some form of confection. This is from Roz. R. Toby. Is that how you say it? Or R. Tobe on the boards. I wanted to send you all some snacks for podcast recording day. I figured it was fitting that I send you C's candy since you all have kept me company on many cross country flights from Washington, D.C. to San Diego. Oh. Yes, I've gotten strange looks from people as I was laughing while listening to the podcast. Thanks for all you do. Two big boxes of C's uh, chocolate. To put the podcast together and get it uploaded. Best wishes to your families this holiday time and for a happy 2010. All right. Lollipops? Lollipops and... Who wants lollipops? Really nice If you don't selection offer, of I'll chocolates. just throw it at you. If I hit you in the head, Walter. And thank you, Roz, for not mentioning that the last time you brought the candy, you gave it to me and I didn't bring it in. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, Roz. Oh. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, like Roz. Now I know who There Roz was one is. more yeah. box of candy. <laughs> I said to myself, oh, shoot. He said how many boxes were in there. She's going to call us out. <laughs> so it was three. Oh, I don't oh. feel so bad now. That one was small. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure it, it was. It was like two candies. It was half the size of this. Oh, my God. These are good. These are really good candies. Max or Thank you so much, Roz. <laughs> Thank I you very much. Is Roz coming, coming to the... Uh... Yes, yes, she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. We could just say her again. I picked the loudest one in the box. <laughs> That's okay. I got caramel. <laughs> there you mm. go. Oh, these are good. So, anything else for housekeeping? I no. have one. All right, Kathy, what do you have? I have a bag of chocolate from Yvette and Emil. And it's intact. I didn't take anything out of it. <laughs> Aren't you special? <laughs> and I get to read her note. St. Kathy. I hope yep. there's halo polish in the bag. <laughs> yeah, I, need, I need like angel music for her as a drop-in. 
Which for now we'll just do. <laughs> I know that y'all love chocolate and candy from all places, so we brought you some Dutch candy in the extra bag. We have chocolate letters. The D is pure chocolate. The I is milk chocolate. The S is hazelnut chocolate. There is a yellow and white bag with borst plat, almost pure sugar. There is a bag with some other kind that I can't pronounce. And there is a bag with chocolate-covered crooned naughton. Yay, pure sugar for the diabetic. <laughs> this is all Dutch candy that I we get. I love naughton. <laughs> that we get during Sinterklaas. That's a white man with black... Okay, where's this going? <laughs> what is it? I don't want to have sho- to march on Washington. It's yeah. either shoes or slaves. He visited... Slaves? <laughs> a white man with black slaves? Is We're really not talking about this, are we? What was the name of this? Sort of like <laughs> Yvette, what goes on in your country? Does not look like slaves? It does. So it says, Center Claus, a white man with black slaves. Yes. Um, I'm sure she means slaves. You know, some things get lost in translation. He visits the Netherlands for his birthday, December 5th, and he brings candy and presents to... To slaves? Slaves. (laughs) To somebody. Search Center Claus on YouTube for videos, and in Wikipedia, search for... Sinterklaas, and there is a description in English with photos and an explanation of well, the candy. Is <laughs> the Tober Toblerone? Yeah, okay. I, I speak Dutch discussed, too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> discussed earlier in the podcast, and there's some Drost chocolate in a Deft's blue cover. We hope that you enjoy it. See you at Dizapalooza. To oh, he looks like the Pope. The, the December event, a, dismember, whatever you want to call it. He's got Santa's beard and a Pope hat. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. Kathy, you going to pull it out of the bag? Or are you just gonna if our listeners could only see the amount of chocolate we have in this room. So we have Ale's Goot Praline. It says nothing about his color or the color of Oh, my God, it's the biggest box of Toblerone I've ever seen. Okay. Oh, wait, though. No, 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 we got... We got something here. Hold on. Wow. Yvette, Yvette, this would not go over well in the United States. Bring that over here, Kathy. What is that? Pastilles? Yeah, let me try that. (gasps) It looks like a Roman candle. This looks like a kid's game. (laughs) Don't touch them all. But you get eight of them, sir. Are you going to read it? it, Or is it, like, really bad? I'm trying to to read it and just see what it is first. There are 60 pieces of chocolate in this thing. These are really good. Okay, and here's the D, the I, and the S. What's milk? Give me the milk. That would be I. Wow. And then we have chocolate crude naughton. Yeah, I'm not. I'm looking at Wikipedia. I'm not seeing anything about slaves, but this is a pretty. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Okay, controversy. Um, In more recent times, controversy has surrounded the traditional holiday. Black citizens of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, mostly from the former colonies, feel slighted by what they perceive as a depiction of slavery as a jolly affair. Okay. Um, Pete being seen as a caricature of a black slave. Americans are uncomfortably reminded of old blackface imagery. Most recently, Muslim and other non-Christian groups in the Netherlands have protested the Christian symbolism represented in and amongst others 
the cross on Santa Claus's headdress. Um, so, Santa Claus. I say we we are making fun of her, but it sounds like that's the true story. It's, yeah, that's it. That it says. Yeah! Wow. Do you wonder why I make fun of other cultures? It's like yeah, the, I can. They're all weird. The clan Christmas well, or something. Thank you for the the, the candy from Slaveland. <laughs> oh, and there's a bag of other kind of goodies in here. I don't know what. Oh, this must be the pure sugar. Oh yeah, this is. It's a mind. This this this, this segment is a minefield. <laughs> it's gonna be. If that send us candy, now on to our next segment. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. If that, okay, thank these you. don't even look good. This looks like stuff she found. <laughs> she picked it up after Santa Claus. You see, it's looking a little rough. Looks <laughs> like stuff she found. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. That's the almost pure sugar stuff. What's it look like? Stuff Hold it up, Walter. Almost pure sugar. It looks like a yellow and white bag. <laughs> well, what's in? Let me see what's inside of it. Well, if we hold that up, it's going to fall out on the floor. Oh, interesting. Do you know if you pass stuff back there, it never comes back. It's like a black hole. <laughs> um, you have a pregnant woman and a chocolate lover. What do you expect? <laughs> How long has Max been pregnant? <laughs> Anything else? The Toblerone's never made it over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's these look like cookies. Oh Lord! Are we still recording? Yeah, as far as I can tell. Okay. So well, well. You want some of this? No, I'm fine for now. Okay. Uh, thank you for the uh, for the uh, history lesson and the uh, <laughs> and the candy event and Emil. We look forward to seeing you this week. If you thought that last one we did had to be edited out, this is going to be worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is worse. This is... Well, no, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a true story. It's how it's, it's how it's depicted in the Netherlands, so... We're keeping it real. We're keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> you can send your emails, too. Kathy <laughs> It's Kathy X. <laughs> Kathy X. Oh God. <sighs> All right. Any other, anything else in housekeeping? Then let's move on to the news. Our first news story this week: Robert Chester Double Jr. has pled guilty to charges stemming from a molestation incident at Disney's Typhoon Lagoon this summer. Uh, Double, age 50, pleaded guilty to one count of lewd and lascivious molestation. His sentence includes five years of sex offender probation and prohibits him from entering amusement or water parks. He agreed to plead guilty in a deal that would keep him from spending time in jail. Double's case was the fourth in a string of incidents at the Orlando area water parks this summer. He was arrested arrested July 3rd after a 15-year-old girl claimed he pulled off her swimsuit and touched her inappropriately not once but twice during time in the wave pool. So since he pled guilty and his middle name is Chester, we now refer to him as Chester, Chester the Molester. Um, but, what, you know, of course, his middle name has to be Chester, Robert Chester Double Jr. I don't agree with him not having to serve jail time. I understand he made a deal or whatever, but molesting a girl is molesting a yep, little girl, absolutely. no matter what. 
And I think all it's doing is showing other people that you can go and do this and get off with a slap on the hand, basically. And I don't like that. Welcome to our judicial system. It depends on how much money you have for you know, a lawyer and and sometimes they feel it, it traumatizes the victim if they're very young to have to go and uh, testify against them. So this sometime guy, it's yeah. a difficult case. Mm-hmm. This guy needs to meet Bubba in the prison. Exactly, oh, mm-hmm. he will drop his soap. Now, it's uh, uh, you, you know you just hope the uh, the young girl is not you know scarred for life. Um, but it's. Uh, Unfortunately, seems to be a, a, an ongoing problem in our water parks, particularly. So, not sure what they can do to crack down on it, other than you know just keep watching. But it's really hard when you've got that many people crowded into a wave pool. It's just really hard, you mm-hmm. know. So, all right, our next story. Uh, we talked about this a few months ago. Uh, there were 24 towns in England that were looking to become the twin town. With Walt Disney World, obviously, this is a PR thing that Disney is is doing. Uh, the West County town of Swindon has been announced as the winner. Uh, Rebecca Warren, a 20-year-old uh, from Swindon, nominated her town with a video and a poem. Warren and two guests will fly to uh, Walt Disney World for a special ceremony where they will unveil a special plaque honoring Swindon. It will read, quote, Walt Disney World twinned with Swindon, end quote. A matching plaque will be placed in a central location in Swindon. And as a bonus, Epcot... Limited on letters, apparently. <laughs> as a bonus, Epcot will feature a special Swindon exhibit next year. Ooh. Now, I don't know what would constitute a Swindon exhibit. The rest of the letters from that plaque. <laughs> but, uh, well, congratulations to them. I'm sure they're very excited. All right, yeah, these news stories are just falling completely <laughs> flat here. They're going to have to hire somebody to stand next to the sign and explain it to people. <laughs> yeah, what does twinned mean? <laughs> but, um, and finally, last month it was reported that Orlando was in contention to host Star Wars Celebration 5, a festival for fans of the iconic science fiction series. It looks as if Orlando did put its best foot forward because the event will indeed be held here in Orlando. From August 12th to the 15th, 2010. Oh, it's going to be charming to be here that week. That it's going to be like the Geek Olympics. Uh-huh. <laughs> the four-day fan gathering will feature stars from the six films, autograph sessions, and sneak peeks of the future of the Star Wars franchise. There is a future? Is, is he making more movies? I hope not. The last three stunk. That's <laughs> the guy on... Big Bang Theory says, I prefer to let George Lucas disappoint me in the order in which he chooses. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are a Star Wars fan, August 12th to the 15th next year, put on your Chewbacca outfit. Because there's nothing more comfortable than a Star Wars costume in June in Florida. <laughs> in August. In August. It's going to be August. Oh, Especially if you're Chewbacca. Your Imperial Stormtrooper outfit's going to (laughs) stick. So, all you Star Wars fans, enjoy. I know Dave. Dave's a big Star Wars fan, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He got all excited and sent it to us. He's going to put on his Princess Leia outfit. (laughs) Yes. He's got the gold bikini. I'll be Jabba the Hutt. Oh, um, there's more to this. I'm sorry. It was a page break. Uh, Tickets can be purchased as of December 10th. And will cost $120 for the full weekend, $45 for three days, or $50 for a one-day pass. You are so going to get people writing to you. I know. That's okay. I love pen pals. 
Kathy, we should send her. <laughs> As what? <laughs> we made her go to Star Wars weekend. We should send her this So you mean I'm going to have to learn the characters now? Again. Kathy, look interested. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for a very odd news week. We're going to move on to the weather. And instead of actually discussing the uh, weather for the full week, we're going to focus on the only day that really matters, which is Saturday, uh, the day of our party. Um, so I took a look at a couple of different websites. Uh, WFTV.com here in Orlando is normally pretty accurate. They're saying 20% chance of rain on Saturday. Uh, weather.com is saying a 10% chance of rain. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping we dodge a bullet because that would kind of suck. That would be bad. I just want to mention we have sun for the first time in, what, three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally got sunny here. We've had some miserable weather. I think it's going to be nice. What's the temperature? Uh, it's going to be uh, 83 during the day on Saturday, 60, and they're saying 65, around 65 at night. So That's not bad. That'll, be, that'll be comfortable as long as it doesn't rain. Right now, it still saying, not. weather.com, still saying 10% chance. I've seen everything from 0 to 30%. So. so let's hope. Let's hope. All right, we'll move on to rapid fire. Who wants to go first? I will. Disney Cruise Line has announced <clears throat> excuse me, that they're going to be adding uh, family-friendly port adventures for the 2010 Mediterranean Northern European sailings. Uh, it sounds to me like what they're doing is they're adding things that are reminiscent of adventures by Disney shore excursions, little short ones in each port of call. Hmm. And I think, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I think they're doing that because people have a concern of, I don't want to just get off the ship, I want to have Disney control that experience because it's so foreign. Well, especially if you read the reports of places like St. Petersburg, they, they pretty much tell you, a lot of people get off the ship and explore ports by themselves, and they're pretty much telling you that You can't do that in St. Petersburg. You're not allowed to wander about freely. It's like the highest crime in the world. Oh, it's terrible, yeah. Uh, In St. Petersburg, there's a distinctly Disney uh, adventure uh, for people. I'm going to read it to you because I'm not going to do it justice otherwise. Uh, On both Mediterranean and Northern European itineraries, a magical one-of-a-kind experience brings local history and stories to life with the help of some Disney friends. For example, in St. Petersburg, Russia, the majestic Catherine's Palace provides the setting for an elaborate royal ball. The noble estate served as Russia's imperial family summer residence for more than 200 years. But on, the, uh, on this port adventure, it's a Disney Cruise Line guests who are treated like royalty. Catherine's Palace is the stage for a grand gala hosted by Disney princesses such as Cinderella, Snow White, and Belle, arriving by horse-drawn carriage. Until the Bolsheviks overthrow the... Uh- <laughs> Really, <laughs> Anastasia, store the best for you. Well, that's that, a different country. That would, yeah, that would be <laughs> different country. That would be France. That would be France. Oh, so the prime, only history is Les Miserables. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the New Jersey education system. John has an Epcot view of life. You mean I can't walk to England? Exactly. <laughs> the princesses and their princess will entertain guests in the. Gilded Grand Ballroom, live musicians and royal courtiers, resplendent in period costumes and powdered wigs, add to the ambiance with lead guests in, and lead guests in song, dance, and regal revelry. In Tuscany, you're going to be able to do, in Florence, there's going to be a family experience that highlights uh, 
cooking in Italy. You'll be able to go to a Tuscan farmhouse scream and scream at your family members as you're trying to cook. <laughs> you know, that's the New Jersey Italian. <laughs> um, there's several- I told you I need sauce. <laughs> There's all these new adventures. Not going to read them all. Um, the, the, there's, there's the Tuscan. Yeah, yeah cooking. please, please continue reading. <laughs> <laughs> Is there prices? No, no prices yet. Just mm. descriptions of what they're. But gonna doesn't do. the one at Catherine's Palace sound like fun? That would. It be really fun. does. Sound it really nice. does. I think that's kind of cool. I hope they do like family friendly pricing for that. No, they're not. Gonna <laughs> do. Are you kidding? Snap out of it. I can dream. The Disney princess are being imported into Catherine's Palace in St. Petersburg, <laughs> Russia. It's $19 a person. <laughs> it's not really. I made that up. Uh, it, this is for children and adults. In several of the ports, they're going to have children's only activities. So if the parents want to do a more adult activity, there will be special port adventures for kids. I think it's a great thing. Magical cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> Come and see how we turn over a stateroom. <laughs> see the magic of scraping the keel. I don't know how I feel about my child being with some... I mean, I understand it's Disney, but you're in another country. I, think I don't know about that. I think they're trying to show that they're going to have these controlled experiences, probably through the kids' programming, so the kids are going to know the, the, um, who are the people who take care of them. I guess I watch, I watch too many soaps and movies. You, you know? do know eventually he's going to have to go to school without you, right? Shut up, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe college. <laughs> but I think that's what Disney's trying to do. I think they're trying to let people know we're going to we're going to make these uh, adventures so that people are feel comfortable about going to these ports and feel comfortable about having something for their kids to do. Because I think for a lot of people, it's so different. It is. Done. They do this with Adventures by Disney. When you're on an adventure, there's a lot of times that your kids have a different activity than the adults do. Yeah, that's true. They're not with you. They're, like, away somewhere else. Right. Like, we were in Italy, and uh, the adults did a wine tasting, and the kids did a gelato tasting. And there were two different locations. Okay. But by this time, you you so know the, the tour guides and everybody. It's not a big deal. And it's Disney. Cool. Thank you for that, Kevin. Yanni, what do you have? I have uh, the Orlando Sentinels reporting that spending at Walt Disney World dropped for the first time in 10 years. Spending on tickets, food, and merchandise at Walt Disney World fell in 2009, the first annual drop at the Orlando Resort in nearly a decade. Um, Guests at Walt Disney World spent on average 4% less in the resort's theme parks during its 2009 fiscal year. And if you're very... Very, very quiet. We're and patient. <laughs> We're hunting wabbits. If you're very, very quiet, you can hear the sound of Disney executives getting their Christmas bonus. <laughs> so what we've seen is... Sorry. What we've seen is they've came out with all these great deals... All these great packages lured people into the parks, raised their prices, and now spending is less. But don't you think part of that is is now they don't have like resort specific or park specific items anymore? That people would go buy a shirt at their resort because they stayed there, and now it's like you just get a Disney shirt. So I, I mean, think you've also got it's a combination of all these things. It's all that, and it's also 
I'm coming here to st- because you're offering me seven for four and I can get here cheap. Well, I don't have extra money now to spend on merchandise. So I'm going to go and I'm going to get a sub at Subway and bring that into the park and eat it. And well, I think I'm going to try to save money wherever I can. I think that that's part of it. I think maybe what we're seeing is the beginning of the popular revolt saying, you know what? Yeah, I do want to come here, but I'm sorry. I'm just not going to part with it the way I used to. And I'm not going to part with it the way you want me to because you keep raising the price on everything and taking stuff away. So you know what? No, I'm not going to buy your. I'm not going to buy your T-shirts or your stuffed animals or your, you know, the rest of your crap. I'm, you know, I'll come. I'll do the rides, but you know what? There's a limit. It's reflective of the economy in general. You know, people are spending less all the way around. Why shouldn't they spend less on vacation? But I, they're not. A Black Friday was a you know uh, Black Friday turned out to be a, a really good day for re- retailers. They're saying that uh, spending this holiday season will be up over last year. So I don't think well, this it's, is all of fiscal two thousand nine. So this reflects early. Okay, that's early. true. That's true. I also think Pete's right. I think people are sick of the Walt Disney World Disneyland branding on everything. It doesn't make it feel special anymore. You could buy it in the Disney store. I think the tchotchkes have become cheaper in quality while they become higher in price. I think you can buy the same knickknack in every single store you go into. The whole park has become homogenized. There's no depth or difference in what you can buy in any store unless you're shopping in the countries in Epcot. And I think people are, I think it's a popular revolt. This stuff is just too expensive. Everything else is too expensive. I've got, something's got to cut, be cut. Well, time will tell. Time will tell if uh, this is a, a, a trend or if it's just a knee-jerk reaction to the economy. Uh, it's also going to be interesting to see what Disney's response to it. Is going to be. Believe me, they're not going to. They're not going to lose seven percent without going out fighting uh, on in park spending. So, you know, are we going to see more creative, uh, uh, more creative items? Uh, you know, less homogenization, or are we going to see the same crap being charged and then charging twenty and thirty percent more for it? Or is it going to show up in the ticket park prices instead of the, you know, usual annual five percent? Is it going to be ten or fifteen percent? Um, you know, somewhere they're going to try and get this back. The question is, is it going to be trying to get it back by creating value and interesting new things and being creative? Or is it going to be them doing what they have been doing for the better part of the last, oh, I don't know, five, five seven years? Uh, just banging the price up while scaling back on what they're offering. Um, and, uh, you know, let's see. I'm really hoping, you know, I think it's too soon to tell if this is a trend, but I'm really hoping that it is, honestly. Um, it's the only way, I've said it a million times, the only way it's going to change is when shareholder value changes as a result of these policies. And the only way that happens is if we stop buying this stuff. Once we stop buying it, they will change it, trust me. I have to tell you, we, were in, um, we went to Epcot the other day for lunch in France. There was a hat. Uh, it's a purple satin hat with a fur trim on it and it says tink on it it's like a christmas hat kind of thing and i believe it was 18.99 we were at the buena vista factory outlets on 535 just the other day and they were having a disney tent sale in the middle of the parking lot and that hat was 4.99 so they're 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 buying stuff they're kind of taking advantage of the fact that you're a captive audience in the park or a resort and then they're selling it to other people 
Well, because they're not selling it in the park, right. they have to put up right. big tents in the middle of parking lots to sell the stuff for at a fire sale. Exactly. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, I don't wish ill on Disney, but good form. You know, I'm I'm I want to see some of this arrogance come back and slap him in the face, wake him up, and say, you know what, you can't just charge people whatever you want without any idea uh, regard for value. And eventually, you're going to do it one too many times, and it's going to cost you. And, you know, if that's what this is, and I'm not saying it is, but if that's what this is, if that's what this indicates, then good for him. And keep in mind, too, I mean, this is 4% is reported across uh, uh, food, tickets, and merchandise. So it's not just the fact that it's 4% less on merchandise, it's 4% on food, too. So that's reflective of the quality and the value that people perceive in the food. So that's what happens when it's across the board. So... All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that tidbit. John? Walter? Yes, this has to do with the Candlelight Processional. Tony Award winner Cheetah Rivera will help round out the lineup of Candlelight Processional narrators after actress Vanessa Williams dropped out. Rivera will be the reader for the Christmas musical celebration December 12th and 13th. Williams was also scheduled for December 14th, and that spot will be taken by actress Abigail Bresland, who will also keep her dates of December 15th through 17th. Miss Cheetah Rivera is fabulous. She does such a great job. I think she's probably the best one yeah. really? I've ever seen. Uh, and Rita Moreno. All right, and keep in mind, as I'm looking at her uh, Wikipedia page, Cheetah Rivera is 76 years old. Wow. Okay, the woman looks phenomenal, phenomenal. So, if you get a chance to see her, she really is. They did bring her out though in a jar. So. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> Don't you speak ill of oh, Miss Cheetah Rivera? You leave Miss Cheetah Rivera alone. Who's on alone. the fourteenth, Walter? Who's on the fourteenth? Uh, Abigail Breslin. Abigail Breslin. Because that's one of the nights Grace is singing. So. Hey, she. Uh, did y'all get my email about John O'Hurley? When Grace had the candlelight procession her first time, John O'Hurley Well, hold on. Let's uh, explain to everyone that uh, Teresa's daughter, Grace, is uh, singing in, uh, has been singing in the choir in the candlelight processional right. uh, this past week. So now tell your story. And um, she said, uh, John O'Hurley, everyone was looking in one direction, and she apparently was the only one looking directly at him. And he turned and waved and smiled at her and made well, the I thought contact. he was. I thought he was going to yell, how dare you make eye contact with me? <laughs> Avert your eyes. He looked at her and waved and then pointed her in the direction everybody else was looking at. <laughs> That's right. And then um, the girl standing next to Grace threw up all over the place. When we go to Candlelight Processional, we always try and find the fainter. Well, there always. A, there's there always going to be one. There's always one that passes out during the show. Start taking bets on who it's going to be. We didn't have any the night I went. No? They, uh, apparently they start very early. And they're probably very excited, and I understand it's it's a long time to stand up there and sing, and it's very probably warm under the lights. There's always one that you can tell didn't have lunch or something because they start to bob and well, move. they they get there. I think Grace is leaving the school like at two thirty for a six forty five performance. You've got wow. you've got rehearsal in the tents behind stage, and this is all done in coordination, obviously, with her school, right? And then you've got so it's not like so for people thinking, oh, they're pulling their kid out of school to go do this. Right. This is actually done in coordination with yeah. the school. So. Not Teresa, though. She pulls her kids out. I pull out. my kids out for anything. Yeah. This year I'm <laughs> going to bet that the fainter is going to be Cheetah Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> Leave this cheetah alone. 
You know, I can make it so that like your only contribution to the show is hi. <laughs> get introduced and then I'm never heard from again. If she doesn't like you, she can make you disappear. So, all right. Well, thank you for that, Walter. Miss Kathy Whirling. Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party on December the 18th is sold out. That's it. That was rapid. That was rapid mm-hmm. there. It really was. My goodness. Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Hence you. the name Rapid Fire. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, looking at Kevin I think, when she said that. <laughs> I think in terms of this segment, it, Rapid has become more metaphor, <laughs> an ideal, um, something to strive for. Something to strive for. A goal. To aim for the stars. Aim, aim for the stars. Accept the moon. Uh, Corey. <laughs> He's doing now voyage. <laughs> Mon's Rapid 2, the, uh, the Mardi Gras dates for Universal Studios Orlando um, have been released 2010, February 6th through April 17th. This is an event they do every year. Um, Saturday and select nights, they have a parade, concerts, um, they have food, where they try to do authentic food from <laughs> New Orleans, uh, but the concert schedule has not been released or the parade times or anything like that. But. The drunk people are authentic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> do you think we can get on a float this year? Let's hope. Now, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that was fun, though. That after was a the, lot of fun. After the year we've had, probably not. You think we're not being invited back? I don't know. We weren't good throwers. I was like pelting people. You're not supposed to aim for their head. They tell you to throw one bead at a time. That's just not natural. Oh, no. Wait, did you break the strand and throw one bead at a time? <laughs> oh, there was a strand? <laughs> you mean they were hooked together? <laughs> All right, thank you for that, Corey. Julie Martin. The annual Walt Disney World Marathon will be taking place uh, January 7th through the 10th, 2010. Now, the 7th through the 9th, there's going to be a health and fitness expo. The 8th through the 9th will be Mickey's Marathon Kids Fest. On the 8th, there will be Disney's Pixar, Disney Pixar's Up and Away Family Fun Run 5K. And then the 9th through the 10th, Goofy's Race and Half Challenge. On the 9th, there will be the Walt Disney World Half Marathon. And then finally, on the last day, the 10th, will be the official Walt Disney World Marathon. Um, I just thought I'd give an overview of the events going on. If you want more information, we'll be able to... So I know what I'll be sleeping through. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would make my kids run a 5K. Kathy and I were doing it The family fun run. Yeah, we we sort of volunteered. Yeah, we're going to be doing it. Like I said, I'll be sleeping. you yeah. can call me when I Better who's going to pass out first, I guess. I don't, I don't We're going to do the walk. We're not going to run. We're going to do the 5K walk. This that says even, run. That even sounds <laughs> I know. I know. I'm going to the mall. We're going rogue. What is, what is running walk. but walking fast, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Julie. Teresa. Oh, excuse me. Lou Gardens Holiday House. This holiday season, visit the Lou House Museum, each of the 11 <laughs> rooms of the house. Why do y'all start laughing after my design? Because you said, I really, I've got to find a, a good, a good, reading. like, this porno jazz. It sounds like you're putting quarters into something. <laughs> a couple of this minutes. is my reading voice. Okay, hush now. Let me, let me this is my this. reading voice. Hi, I'm not busy. Call me now. <laughs> okay, please, please continue. Okay. This holiday I'm looking season. for hot locals like you. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, y'all let me get through this Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sitting okay. around watching movies with baby oil. 
Good lord. Okay, let's let her finish. Okay, Kevin, let me finish. Okay, I lost my okay, place. Okay, go here. ahead, Teresa. Okay. Each of the 11 rooms of the home has its own theme from Victorian to Art Deco fused with amazing dioramas. Max, do you recognize this woman? <laughs> I like a man who wants me for my brains. Throughout Go this, ahead. Throughout the historic home, you'll find Christmas trees trimmed with botanical ornaments of plants, flowers, citrus, and pineapples to reflect the time periods of the 1930s to the 1950s. Amazing miniatures will be on display in the museum. Lou's Holiday House will reflect the legacy of Harry P. Lou's love for gardening. Stroll along the garden's meandering paths, shaded by ancient oaks, forests of camellias, and giant camphor trees. They didn't have Christmas ornaments in the 50s? Yeah, they did. Up to the 1950s. Each room is different. Daily, 10 to 3.30. My grandparents were alive in the early 30s, and they didn't decorate with pineapples. Five bucks to get in for adults, one buck for children, plus tax. You know, Bob said it best. I can also take a nap with my eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was interesting. Did you guys go to that last year and some woman have a hat? What was that? Oh, no, that, oh, no, was, that was the plant sale. That was the plant sale. Uh, we had to park half a mile away. I, I that wanna... was where all of Orlando society came out with their hats. Didn't some woman have a hat? I'll wear, I knew <laughs> what I was talking about. I'll wear, that, I'll wear that hat the next time we go. The big uh, Mardi Gras purple hat. How do you do, right? I love the, 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 home, the uh, homeless Mardi Gras woman. Is that the main In building? defense of Teresa, please. Um, Lou Gardens is so. a beautiful place. Ferris and I go there a lot for story time. Orange County Public Library puts it on once a month. And we stroll the gardens and we picnic. And it's it's a beautiful place to go. It's very relaxing. And I think this sounds like a great time. It is a gorgeous place. I believe place. in yeah. naps. <laughs> Maybe I could go over and read stories to people. Would they like <laughs> <laughs> Won't you have to get their credit card information first? <laughs> Just throwing stuff. There's my rapid fire right over here. I got your rapid fire. I got your rapid fire. Give me some chocolate. Good one, Walter. That was funny. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I'll read you a story in the garden. (laughs) Will that be Visa or MasterCard? All right, well, thank you, everyone. Oh, and one last thing. We will be playing uh, at uh, Toy Story Mania. There will be another game called Pin the Tail on the Intern. Oh. All right. <laughs> Where people will have to chase Max around with donkey tails with tacks attached to it and try and pin it on. So. Cool. I and like those, those, those thin girl pants he wears will be no match for... Right. <laughs> That'll hurt. I like to play blame... T- Damn it. <laughs> I like to play pin the blame on the intern. <laughs> blame the pin on the intern. Forgive forgive my stroke interrupting my joke. <laughs> it's terrible when bad things happen to good citizens. Because you can see the, the synapses misfiring in his eyes, you know. All right, that will do it for Rapid Fire for this week. We're going to move on to our first segment. Our special correspondent, David Parfit had an opportunity to speak with some of the creative energy behind Toy Story Mania. And this is uh, particularly relevant given our upcoming party. So uh, here is Dave's interview with the Imagineers behind Toy Story Mania. Greetings, everyone. This is David Parfit, special correspondent for the Diz Unplugged. It was recently announced that Disney's Toy Story Mania received the amusement park industry's top international award for an attraction. Toy Story Mania won the Theo Award for Outstanding Achievement, an award given to a new amusement park ride worldwide. Toy Story Mania is a favorite attraction for a number of reasons for our Diz Unplugged listeners. We had our first Toy Story Mania private party at Disney's Hollywood Studios last December 
with nearly 500 guests. And coming up on this Saturday, December 12th, we will have our second Toy Story Mania party with approximately 700 guests. Today it is my pleasure to chat with some of the creative team who are responsible for bringing this award-winning attraction to life, including Disney Imagineers Kevin Rafferty and Sue Bryan, and Roger Gould from Pixar's Theme Park Group. So first of all, congratulations on the Theo Award, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, David. Kevin, I was wondering, could you tell us a little bit about the creation of the ride, and what was your yeah, inspiration? You know, well, you know, we were, we were so inspired by uh, Buzz Lightyear attraction, and, you know, the attraction that is also a game, and um, we were thinking about what would be another another way to introduce an attraction that is a game, and um, we were also inspired by an attra- the attraction at um, Disney Quest, Pirates of uh, the Caribbean, um, is it a quest for Buccaneer Gold, Sue? Battle for Buccaneer Gold. Battle for Buccaneer Gold, which Sue worked on. And, um, and we loved the cannon mechanism on that. And so we were actually thinking about a place on uh, at Paradise Pier, Disney's California Adventure, to begin with, to put an attraction that maybe had to do with intuitive midway games, like carnival games. And, and what if we could ride through the carnival games? What that led to is, well, which characters would be a really fun kind of troop of players that could host these games we immediately went to the Toy Story characters and then it all kind of fell together about creating this spring action shooter and being able to follow the trajectory of the balls and the darts that you toss out and we got with Sue in the creation of the games and of course Roger and the Pixar gang and it all fell together very quickly and we came up with a little story about how Andy got this Midway Games play set for his birthday and we got invited to come in and, and uh, play the games and it just kind of went from there. This sounds great. And luckily Andy is really fastidious but he keeps his games in a really good shape so we Very were able nice. to use the whole game. Very nice. And I see you kind of represent the classic games of the 60s and 70s which was my childhood too so it's nice to see those old style games. Yeah, that's very much the sensibility of Andy's bedroom. Even though the film was Toy Story, the first one was released in 1995, that bedroom is really more kind of a, an amalgam of the memories of the childhoods of the, the filmmakers, you know, John Lasseter and Joe Ramp and Anderson and the Doctor, which is more obviously a sort of 60s, early 70s bedroom. So we wanted a game that was really evocative of that period. Sure. So did the attraction's design and storyline change much over the three years of development? Well, you know, it, it's funny. It, it really kind of held true to its original concept, and that was, you know, being able to ride through and, and play the, the, the midway type of games, the carnival type of games. And the only thing, Sue can speak to this, but, but the thing that I think changed the most was the actual play testing of the games themselves and how, how they were developed. It was just a really fun process, and we learned a lot through that uh, uh, play testing. Yeah, I would say that the, the concept was so great when we got it that there really wasn't much that needed to be added in terms of what the high concept was. So we really focused on trying to take classic carnival games and make them both intuitive and have the same kind of depth that we needed for our audience who often come back again and again and who also are composed of a really diverse group. So we've got young kids who need to be able to play something really easy, and then we've got teenagers who play games all the time, and we needed to have some kind of depth and challenge for them. So we really spent most of our time trying to work out what the gameplay would be that would satisfy that whole audience. And I have to say, Dave, one of my favorite parts about the attraction is it's something that grandparents and grandchildren and everybody in between can play together and feel successful and have a good time. I totally agree with you and and everything you're saying. And part of the reason we've We've had our annual listener party at the Toy Story Mania attractions because it's fun 
not only for people of all ages, but like Sue was saying, people that like different types of ride, people that have different levels of gaming experience. It seemed like that was must have been a real challenge for the design team, and, and you guys really nailed it. Well, that was in the end. We wanted us to be that you were having fun playing. It was we didn't want it to feel like this was about sort of contemporary gaming and a sort of a home entertainment. Because we wanted it to feel like a classic carnival experience, which is you know a little bit old fashioned in the sense of something that would be relatable to people of all ages. And we also wanted there to be different ways for people to play, so that when people come off the ride, you can have different people being successful in different ways and being proud of that. So you'll see details like some people will play very carefully and they'll shoot very slowly and carefully. Some people will pull that string as fast as they can. So there are people who are interested in accuracy. There are people who are interested in their score. And when you listen to people coming off the ride, you'll often hear a couple coming off and one will say, hey, I've got the better score. And then the other one will say, yeah, but i got the better accuracy. Uh-huh. And that's something that makes us really happy. And that's something we actually saw at our party last year. We had the ride to ourselves. There's about 500 people. And we had people that were riding the ride you know, 10, 11 times in a row. And they were getting off the ride, and, and you, know, you could hear them competing with each other. Oh, what was your score? What was your score? And, and you know, there's already been a lot of trash talking going on leading up to the next party that we have coming up. So you really did create something that had a lot of appeal. So, Sue, when you were testing it, you must have been testing it in people of all ages and, and looking for that response in everybody. Yeah, exactly. Playtesting is a huge part of our interactive design process. We started... Within six weeks of having the project turned on, we had a prototype and we were bringing people in to try and find out what was going to work best in terms of translating these games to a different medium. And we brought people in every six to eight weeks. We were always testing new versions of the software. We spent a lot of time with people. We asked them a lot of questions. And we really try to find out the things that we don't realize are going wrong. Because when you design an interactive for a really broad audience like this, it's impossible to predict how that many different kinds of people are going to use something in terms of the user interface, in terms of how they understand the game and and how they want to play it. We tested hundreds, hundreds of people, including once we got to the field and we were doing our installation, we were actually testing the guests that were there. But even when we started back in Glendale, we always tried to bring in people who were very representative of our audience. Sounds like it'd be a lot of fun, actually. It is. It's stressful, too, though, because you're working with prototypes and hardware that was just thrown together and things break all the time. And there's a lot of duct tape and running around behind the scenes that happens. A lot of caveats. (laughs) Okay, you're in a warehouse and it's just plywood, but imagine. (laughs) There was a lot of invention that went on. Roger, as the representative of Pixar, could you talk a little bit about your interaction and collaboration with Disney Imagineering? Sure. Well, it's been quite a long, ongoing effort. It's really, really exciting because basically Imagineering has blessed us by taking inspiration from different Pixar films to create great new attractions and lands and experiences in the parks. And so I've had the pleasure of that becoming my full-time job here. And the Imagineers are so great to work with because really it's, it's the same core culture that we have here, you know, trying to make great entertainment experiences for people of all ages that are going to, that are timeless, that are going to last year after year after year, and to use technology to do innovative things that we've never been able to do before. And Toy Story Midway Mania kind of fires on all cylinders on all those counts. I mean, it's, it's an attraction we couldn't have built even five years ago. So a lot of it is really about making sure that as we're bringing this whole thing together that we're as true to the film as possible. And a lot of times it's asking funny questions, you know, where are we and, and where are we in time? Well, okay, well, we have the 
the Roundup Gang. We really wanted to have Jesse and Bullseye in there. So, okay, we must be after Toy Story 2. Well, we're already working on this movie, Toy Story 3, and we sort of peeked ahead, like, are we there? No, 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 Andy's going off to college. No, we want to stay back kind of right after Toy Story 2 and create this idealized idea of Andy's room where kind of all of the best friends have joined together. Then, because we've shrunk down to the size of toys, one of the funny questions we get to ask is, well, how big are we and how big are the characters? And I remember we were down in the concept lab, the, uh, the prototype space, and we had this test where we were like, okay, how big are Woody and Buzz and Jesse? And we had this scale thing where we just kept growing them, and there was a point where we were like, they're scary big, too big! <laughs> and then we backed down, there was a funny, like, you know, okay, around, you know, five foot eight, five foot ten, Woody feels good, and, you know, it was just, it was interesting. It, it, there's nothing you could figure it out on paper. You just had to sit there and experience it. When does it feel right? Yeah. And speaking of the characters and selecting the characters for the game, one of the things that's really amazing about the attraction is the Mr. Potato Head Boardwalk Barker audio animatronic, you know, the five-foot-tall potato head. How did you come about, A, selecting that character to emphasize, and then what went into the development of that sophisticated audio animatronic? It's all Kevin's fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we thought about who would be a great character from the Toy Story game to send out. Well, who, who would Woody send out if they arranged all these games and set them all up and wanted to invite all the players to come in? Who would they send out? Well, the, you know, one of the great spokesmen for um, their little troop is Mr. Potato Head. So you can imagine Woody saying, hey, Potato Head, go out there and round up a bunch of folks to come in and play with us. And, and you know, he just seemed to be the perfect boardwalk barker. And we, all, we also thought it would be a lot of fun to have him out there because, you know, of his, his removable parts and his personality. And we even challenged our uh, production group here at Imagineering to create a character that could actually take his ear off. And, uh, and they managed to pull it off. Yeah. And put it back on as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fantastic because you know, Don Rickles, the original voice of Mr. Potato Head, we wanted to have a character that could truly interact with guests, but we wanted it to be authentic to, to the way he sounds in the film. So it's quite a complicated back end to have this living character, Mr. Potato Head, that can interact with people. And it meant that we had Don Rickles come in again and again and again to help us flesh out this huge conversation that Mr. Potato Head can have with the guest. Don was just a blast to work with. I was going to ask what it was like to work with Don Rickles. How does he feel to be a Disney icon now? <laughs> I think he loves it. You know, he, he has a couple of grandkids and he had such a good time doing it. And, and Roger and I spent about, I don't know, over 30, 33 hours, 35 hours with him in the studio. And we really got to know him very well. And he just seemed very excited to be having a role in this attraction. He was very happy. And he, he came out uh, on opening day and just had a blast. I mean, he's, he's such a, you know, such a comedy legend. It's really so fun to work with him. And of course, He's, you know, the world's most famous insult comedian. So exactly. we knew that we were really doing a good job and, and that he was going to trust us when he started insulting us left and right. I don't know, Kevin, he seemed to insult me more than you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. I think you gave him a little bit more uh, material to go on. <laughs> I, knew, I knew things were going well when he showed up at one of the recording sessions and he, and he saw me and he shook, he, said, shook his head and he said, you're like the son I never wanted. <laughs> You know, yeah, it was so funny because every once in a while, you know, you're, he's such a sweet guy, and he's doing it. It's so wonderful. And then every once in a while, he'd step into the Rickles mode, and he'd say something like, 
hey, Kev, Barbara and I would love to have you over for dinner, but it'd be our lucky to show up. <laughs> <laughs> he just lets it fly then. Yeah, he was um, great. He was amazing. Okay, so I have to ask, so we're having this party at Toy Story Mania again in a couple weeks, and we have some competitive listeners that are really excited to get the high scores. So do you have any tips or tricks you can share with us to get a Keeping high score? It's like, it's like using the Force in Star Wars, blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the thick of playing the game it's hard to remember things like look all around the screen because you know people when they first play tend to look in the, the very middle of the screen if you haven't played before and we've you know hidden a lot of the higher value targets in different places and then there are also things like sometimes a target is a lower value target but if you hit that one it will trigger another target to create these what we call multi-stage targets so there's there's always that for a lot of people, shooting as fast as you can, at least as long as you don't tire your arm out, <laughs> is, a, is a big one. And then there are things to look for. We have Easter eggs in each of the scenes, and you've probably found some of them already. I don't want to give most of them away, but I will hint that the cloud balloons and the sun balloons in the balloon game, if you get all of them, something special might happen. Keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out. Yeah. So what does receiving this award from the Themed Entertainment Association, what does that mean to the team? I think for a lot of us, just knowing that people cared enough to pay attention to the small details that make Mania work, you know, a lot of what I think is really satisfying about Mania is those amazing details in the set work, in the character design, in the game design, and it's, it's the, the whole package that we're really excited about and appreciate the, the honor. Yeah, it really felt wonderful to, to, win, to win this award, and, and uh, it reminded me of, of a quote that, that Dustin, a member of our team, said um, while we were developing the attraction, and he said, it was so hard to make it so easy, and it's, it's like, almost like a recognition that, that they, they are aware of everything that went into the development, the design and development of this attraction, and you know, of course, we're very proud. Yeah, it's really, really thrilling, and I think it makes a great point that it's really easy just to talk about the gaming, which we're really proud of, but on both coasts, we also are really thrilled with the, the physical experience that we created for the guests, the way we were able to create two really different portals to bring you into this world here on the West Coast at Busy's California Adventure. Uh, you're out on the Victorian Midway, and we built this beautiful Victorian setting for it, and then out there in, in Florida at Busy's Hollywood Studios, creating Pixar Place. I don't know if you've seen pictures of our studio, but we've recreated the Pixar studio out there, and it's a crazy doppelganger experience to feel, you know, to be thousands of miles from work and feel like you're right there. <laughs> but it was so that whole space and creating Andy's room, one of the highlights of the whole experience for me was when we were still in progress, but we had kind of the bones of the whole building of Florida up, and we walked into that big load on load area where we've decorated the whole thing that you're in Andy's room, and John Lasseter walked in and he said, <gasps> I've never been in Andy's room. Oh, <laughs> you know, and I think that's something that we're all, you know, you build these things, and in the end, you're really just trying to make something that you're really proud of, and I think we're all so thrilled and excited and proud of what we've made, and it's just a wonderful honor that Thea uh, has recognized this and, and shared our joy. Well, congratulations again on the honor. This is David Parpet for the Diz Unplug. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you very much for that uh, day. That was a great, uh, a great, another great interview. He always does a great interview. He does a good job. Um, I'm telling you, really and truly, he's, he's awesome. He's um, our Barbara Walters. He is our Oprah. <laughs> our he's Oprah. our Oprah. <laughs> um, I'm going to share a little story. 
about Dave. Dave is the one who's really and his been, operation. <laughs> really, <laughs> Dave is the one who's uh, really been instrumental in helping us get Marty Sklar and Lee Cockrell to give our seminar for our event this uh, upcoming weekend. And he's had the opportunity to speak to Marty several times, working out flight details and. Arrangements. Oh no! Is he is he stalking Marty Sklar now? <laughs> he has him on speed dial. My best friend, Marty. <laughs> but. Um, <clears throat> He's had the opportunity to speak to Marty and tell him that he got this interview, and I believe he played the interview for Marty, and Marty was very impressed. I think his words were, you have... Um, you've got the A-team. You've got the A-team. You have the stars of Imagineering for this interview, so that's pretty impressive. That, yeah. He wanted to explain, too, that in the Disney Corporation, there are no star- stars, and everybody does everything. There's only one name on the door, exactly. meaning Walt Disney's. Right. So everybody works as a team. However, these are the... A team out there, so it's wow. really cool. Well, it was a great interview, Dave. Thank you so much for that. All right, our next segment, we're going to talk uh, some more about some of the holiday events going on in and around Orlando uh, this month. And uh, I know Kathy and Teresa have some things, but I think a plane is crashing into my house. <laughs> it's any very of you, wisteria. Lane. I was just going to say, if any of you watch Desperate Housewives uh, for their mid-season cliffhanger. Because they don't come back until what, like, you know, May. spring 2015? <laughs> um, I hate when they do that. But anyway. You know what they're doing to Glee? Yes, I come back till March. Actually, um, even it's not coming back till after American Idol, I heard. <sighs> they're taking it off to make room for American Idol. So. Well, so Kathy and Teresa, I know you have some stuff to discuss. What do you have for us? Should we talk about Polar Express? Well, I've been out doing my Christmas shopping. Is that the holiday stuff you wanted? I haven't started mine yet. Hang on, I'm having microphone cord issues. Okay, I'm good. Kathy, let's talk about Polar Express. Good idea. Cool. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Walter was there well, in line winding, too. Let's give, a, let's give a description of what Polar Express is. Where is it? What okay. is it about? Now, what's the name of the real real ride? When it's not Polar Express, Wild is Arctic. It? Wild Arctic. Okay. <laughs> Which I did in California, correct? That was cool. That's the little helicopter ride. Correct. Correct. Okay, so I had never done it here. All right, the Polar Express is a revamping. Yeah, really. It's of, like it's well, a short attention span. We're good there, okay. The, the, they've, they've, this is this is at Sea World. Yes. At Sea World. Okay. Let's start with the theme park. <laughs> Orlando. <laughs> Orlando. It's in Sea World. Sea World. It is uh, housed in the attraction that normally during the year is called Wild Arctic, which is a simulator ride. Similar to uh, Body Wars or Star Tours or, you know. Oh, and get this. They've overlaid it exactly. with the Christmas theme. Isn't that the big words I've used mm-hmm. there? I heard someone say that. Wow. So, anyway. <laughs> so it was really cool. I thought it was, you know, we waited in line. Walter kept saying, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick. And I didn't like it when it was Wild Arctic. Um, I almost didn't go, but it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I didn't feel sick at all. And there's two sides. There's the motion side and the non-motion side. And the, the non-motion side, there's a whole list of disclaimers of, you know, if you're pregnant, if you have heart conditions and all that, you have to, like, ride the bench on the non-motion side. And really, Which would be basically just watching snippets from the movie, right? right? And now, it, it's really not worth it. Now, during the, uh, during the year, Wild Arctic is basically uh, supposed to be like a, an Arctic base. Um, and you go through it, and you'll see, you know, polar bears and uh, beluga whale uh, and things like that in there. 
what kind of theming? What do they do? Do they change all of that as well as part of the theming? They do. When you get well, first off, when you get into the the train, which is now a train, used to be a helicopter, now it's a train. It is like you're in an old time train. The screen is showing scenes, come of the, some of the wilder parts of the train ride, um, taking you to the North Pole. Yeah, actually, my favorite part of the movie is the part that they're showing when you're going on the ice and the train mm-hmm. is uh, going sliding, sliding yeah. and stuff. That's the part that they're showing, and you're moving to that. And uh, it, they did quite a good job. And this is all, of course, based on the movie. Right. The Polar yeah, Polar Express. Express. Right. So then you get there, you step out of the train, and the theming is wonderful. They had it all set up like it was snow, Christmas trees, and uh, hot chocolate. You got to see the... Now, is the hot chocolate complimentary, or did you pay? No. You paid for it. You paid for it. But it was there. It was there. Some I, Christmas spirit. Santa yeah. Claus was there. Yeah, you get your picture taken with Santa Claus. So it was... But I thought it was cool, because when you got out, it was cold. Oh, so Santa... Mm-hmm. So, so basically, this is an attraction that turns Santa Claus into Bacigalup the Peddler, selling pictures and hot chocolate? Mm-hmm. Well, he it's was... It's like any other ride. You can get your picture taken yeah. at the event, and then you can purchase But it was cool, because you, you, know, you get out, it's cold. I like that because you know it was we when we got on the train we were in Florida, so anyway we got off we got to see the polar bears. Stella was very impressed because she had never been on this ride at all before. Whoever, so whoever did it did an excellent job. I mean, for just you know changing the inside, changing the the way it worked, you got a whole different feel. It was like for me a whole different ride. I mm-hmm. thought it was I it thought was. it was awesome. They did an excellent job with it. And the first day that I went, it was like 80-something. Oh, it was hot. So it was nice to go inside where it was cool, and you really got into the theming because it was cool inside. Did they have a creepy conductor with cold, dead eyes? (laughs) (laughs) A talk Uh, like Tom Hanks? No. Now, um, what else around SeaWorld? I mean, was there anything else going on that was holiday-themed, or was this pretty much their their big thing? No, they have – who had the list? I've got the list here. There's Clyde and – Oh yeah, the different Clyde and Seymour's. That those are the sea lions. Actually, there's a special Shamu show. And then there's the in front of Bayside Stadium. They've got a ice skating, Winter Wonderland on ice, Sesame Street Christmas, celebrate the season with Elmo, Big Bird, and other Sesame Street friends. There's plenty to see over at SeaWorld. It is. I I I I love SeaWorld. It's just Mm -hmm. so laid back. Is the whole park decorated for Christmas? It is. is. It's trees. It's beautiful. It's like. Sea colors, you know, like blues and greens and teals, teals, Florida colors. It's real, real festive. Shamu's Christmas miracles. Oh, and then there's the Makahiki Christmas Luau. The what? Makahiki, isn't that how you say it? I don't know. How do you say that, Julie? Makahiki. Makahiki. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Teresa did that as a rapid fire. The uh, yeah, but in, in a different voice. But anyway, sorry, <laughs> this is not my rapid fire voice. Okay. <laughs> yes, there's quite a bit to do at SeaWorld. Is the Polar Express worth going to SeaWorld for? Is that one of those things where I can go there and just enjoy that? Or am I if gonna... you went during the week when I think the lines wouldn't be real long, but I know we, when we went last year, we waited almost an hour. Wow. See, we didn't. We got right. And that's well, almost on well, with the Well, with the big rides, yeah, but you know, really we got in lines quick. at SeaWorld are... I, I don't know that I would go there just for that. We, did, was, we did that day, though. That's was, the only yeah, reason right. we went. But if I was... If I was going to be at SeaWorld, I would do it. I don't know that I would necessarily go just for this ride. It's a very good ride, but I don't think it's... It Stella, Stella wanted to go back and do it. A single trip to, to SeaWorld for it. 
It's nice, too, because SeaWorld, this is all included in your park pass. It's not like you have to buy a special ticket to go in and see the Christmas event. So it's something you can do in addition to riding the ride. How long does the ride last? Well, the ride itself is fairly short. Five minutes? Five minutes, but then you've got your whole walking through the North Pole. We stopped. We did see Santa. We talked to Santa. Stella gave him her big old list. And you see the polar bears and stuff And the beluga whales. I I enjoyed standing there and just watching them swim around. And something I realized, Walter had talked about doing the little get in the water with the whales. Yeah. I wanted to do that. He wanted to do that. And he almost had me tucked into it until we went under where you could see them th- through the water. And there were people having their little moment with the whales. And they were sitting there on this tiny little ledge with their feet dangling off into absolutely it, nowhere. It did look like you could possibly fall I, I in would, with the I waves. would slip off that ledge. It would crack and break. And uh, I can't swim, and I'd be laying at the bottom with the blue whales. So. <laughs> Anybody else seeing Shelly Winters and the Poseidon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm Annie. I'm <laughs> They may provide life vests if you can't swim. These people weren't tethered or anything. I kept looking, thinking, okay, they've got to be chained to this rock, but they weren't. Aren't they wearing scuba suits? Yeah, they have wetsuits. Well, who cares if you can't swim? The whale pulls you off to your death. I mean, come on. (laughs) They don't don't do that. Yeah, because that happens all the time, you know. (laughs) All those beluga whale killings going on (laughs) in SeaWorld. As you talk to somebody, they're all supposed to be like adolescent males, and they love to do stuff yeah. so they just love to yeah. do that no 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 so they're, they're coming up they want to sing to you they want you to pet them they, want they were to... bumping them on the legs and trying oh, they to just, knock they them they have a good legs. time when they do the show so they like oh, I didn't know fight. where he was going with adolescent males I'm like what do they have juvenile offenders <laughs> just have attraction, or? <laughs> they have a lot of energy they like to perform you, people, but so. you're talking the, the whale is a, is a juvenile is a, oh yeah, I'm sorry the whale's you well, know. from the top view, I thought you were talking Walter. about like. Oh no, I'm sorry. Walter was, had me talked into it from looking at the top. Oh, look at them sitting there along the edge of the water, petting the little whales. But the minute we went down, and I saw that, you know, three hundred feet of water and no tethering to the rock, I was over it. So, but it did look fun for those adventurous. Ones. I'll end up doing that someday. How much is that? Do you know, a uh, hundred and fifty dollars. Do you get caviar with that? Caviar. <laughs> 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 Can I cut it open and take its eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Scoop out a handful on pet. Baluga. I would. I would do. Uh, what do we call it? Polar Express. <laughs> I would right. do it again. I would do it again. Yeah. For All right. Now, dollars uh, you can put your feet in ice water. One of the uh, one of the other things that's a, a popular event uh, for people to attend during this time of year is the taping of the uh, yearly Christmas parade that is shown, obviously, on Christmas Day, but it is not taped on Christmas Day. You're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to let everybody think it happened on Christmas Day. Okay, well, you know, they're just going to have to learn to live with disappointment. (laughs) Um, Kathy, you were there for that. Welcome to my holiday spirit, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Kathy, you were there uh, for the taping. I understand you were dancing and singing and frolicking I was there for two of the days, but the day that I was supposed to dance and frolic got rained out. So that was going to happen. That was with the Jonas I think, Brothers. I, I think you might want to take that as a hint. <laughs> I, I really was God looking. Said, God said, oh, no. I was no really looking forward no to that. 
So do you have to wear the same clothes two days in a row to get if you're in all the pictures or what? No, and they, they tell you when they're doing all the pictures, they, they do like a test one and they have the camera guy come like up to your face and you're not allowed to look. Because if you look at the cameraman, they can pretty much guarantee you're not going to be on TV. So we, oh, we practice man. that. So they, they'll come up and they'll say things to you and you have to just like keep looking. Okay. What are they saying to you? Look at me. Yeah, look at, look me. at me. Look they're at trying me. To, they're trying to trick you. <laughs> look at yeah. me. Look at me. See, Teresa be out of the taping in the first five minutes. Where? <laughs> <laughs> they're not whales, Teresa. They're not going to pull <laughs> you under. Pull me under mainstream. But they started the, the taping um, Thursday morning. I think we got to be there at 9.30. Friday morning, we had to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning. Which, Holy. you know, these people... Y- y- you know, I'm I'm up that early. And, and now, and just to clarify, they're not giving you anything for this. You get a, a free park ticket. Oh, okay. Right. So you know, there's loads of people, and they around me were all really excited. And you could tell who had done it before and who hadn't, because everybody that was showing lots of energy had never been there. Because it's a lot of standing. A lot of people, you know, if you read on the Diz, that they're oh, I can't wait to go see them do this. It's like two hours of standing, five minutes of doing something. You know, another hour of standing. Um, Thursday, they were shooting in front of the castle, and it was Yanni. Yanni and his singers. Oh, shooting and Yanni in the same sentence. <laughs> so they, Inappropriately used. <laughs> you know, to me, I mean... Well, the Evans feels the same way. <laughs> my sister was big into Yanni back when Yanni was a big deal. What, was that the 80s? Does he still have yeah. a mullet? No, his, his hair is when like... When was Yanni short. a big deal? I'm when was Dynasty on that from, he was from twelve to one on January third, nineteen eighty five? That's when Yanni was his peak. But we had to like wait an hour for them for Yanni's personal piano tuner to come out and tune the piano. <laughs> They couldn't do that ahead of I'd love to see his resume. <laughs> it's so sad as they try and hold on to their uh, their glory days with personal piano tuners. No one's buying your album. It doesn't matter if, you're, if your piano's in tune or not. You can play the accordion. No one cares. <laughs> you stopped being relevant 20-some-odd years ago. Well, he was, he was smart enough that he sat at the piano and played, and he had four singers that were really, really good. And when you see the performance, the, the lead singer, he was awesome. He really was. And I said, Yanni sort of was like... Okay, he Kathy, was, it's Yanni. I just can't get that excited about it. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it's like David I was, Tesh. Come on, Ebenezer. It was... You know, when you're standing there for all that time and then somebody finally performs, you're really excited because you've been standing there for like two and a half so hours. So they could have brought out like, 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 like Heidi Spencer, uh, uh, you know. Where yeah. were you standing, Kathy? Heidi Montag, whatever it is. I was um, pretty close up to the front. They, they take you in in groups. And I've always been lucky enough to be like up close enough to see like what's going on max is excited about yanni max max is upset about yanni (laughs) so that that was thursday and then after after yanni sang and his group performed it was chris allen from american idol and i had seen him a couple months ago so i didn't hang around that would be cool i like chris allen yeah I i think he's good but it's like i've seen that so i'll wait to see that one on christmas morning and then Friday morning. So let's see if I've got this right. Excited about Yanni, <laughs> so so on the winner of American Idol. Okay. Well, I, but I well, saw him. I was like from here to to there you know, away from sad. Chris it's Allen. It's sad to watch when they get to a certain age and how this stuff starts to happen. It really is. <laughs> I feel so bad for Katie. Um, <laughs> so Friday morning we had to be there for seven o'clock, and Friday it just rained, and eventually they ended up canceling 
the parade taping. But while they had all of us there, they had taken a group down, and that was when we were supposed to learn how to sing and dance and perform. And the Jonas Brothers were going to sing going down Main Street. And that got... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do they just take a random group, or are they picking people that would look good in front of the Jonas Brothers, or how they do it? Typically, what well, for the Jonas Brothers, they'd have a lot of kids up front. Okay. And usually they have, like, school groups and Girl Scout Oh, okay. Groups and things that they try to have in strategic places. Lots but, of thirteen-year-old oh, girls. Yeah, I want to be in an enclosed space with the Jonas Brothers and a hundred tweens. Were you in the group they picked for Yanni? Because I'm not sure that's a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> no, I can see that better than I can her up there with the Jonas Brothers. And <laughs> no offense, Kathy, but you know we're not thirteen. I just think that would be odd. Well, what they do then too is you're you're encouraged to wear like Christmas wear. You know, like if you've got red and greens and things that say Walt Disney World on the front of you and you wear hats. Because if you look at any of the pictures, like, <laughs> you know, later on Friday. when it was we, only we, have a, we have a very clear picture of the people she's talking about, yeah. You know, if you look at the ones when we went over to the Grand Floridian Friday afternoon, almost everybody down on the floor is in, like, Christmas red. Day. People who look like Christmas threw up all over them. Right, yeah. right. And that's the ones that they want. right. You know, up front that makes sense as opposed to well, tight it, tops and shorts. It sort of does, but really, how many people, if this was Christmas Day, are going to show up in a park but in Christmas attire? But they're playing this all over the country, so this is how people envision, you know, people at Walt oh, right. Disney World dressing at Christmas time. So. Right. Right. So Friday, Friday morning, I said, with it raining, I'll give Disney loads of points for this one because you now have. I don't know, a couple thousand people there. And it's like, now what do you do with everybody? And you still have tapings that need to be done. So they just said to everybody, okay, now we're all going to go to the noodle station. We're going to wait till they decide what we're going to do. Then they moved all of us over to Cosmic Rays to instruct us how they were going to handle the rest of the day. So we were all in there. They're giving us instructions. And then they had... You know, because now they're going to move the taping to Sunday. Now, how's everybody going to have a ticket to get back in on Sunday? And I'm going to like, oh, geez, now how's Disney going to handle this? And what they had people do is go out the doors. They had cast members standing there. You went out the doors, and they had everybody go down through the Rose Garden. You know how it goes down and around and comes up? And then they had a half a dozen cast members standing there with tickets to give you for Sunday. But you had to, you know, you couldn't say like, oh, yeah, it's me and five other people. You had to physically be in that line to get a ticket to come back on Sunday. Did right. the ticket say for Sunday admission only? Yes. Wow. It was just for that day. And then they also announced that those of us who were in that room, if we showed our paper, we had to all go over to the Grand Floridian because the afternoon taping was is Celine Dion. And Celine Dion is who I really wanted to see. But I didn't know if she was going to be the morning session or the afternoon session. So they had everybody go over to the Grand Floridian at like 1130 and got us all in place. Okay, I just got to say that they that they managed to get Celine Dion means one of two things. Either one, they offered her something phenomenal or two, oh, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, she's as far as I'm concerned, she's still a list. Yes. Um, And it's very unusual. To get a performer of her caliber, I know. I thought you the know, same thing as I, I was I just, standing. But there. this is—I mean, this is a huge audience they're going to have. This is yeah, but it's still considered. I don't know. I—I I, I don't know. Maybe they offered. I mean, the Jonas Brothers. It makes sense because they're in a contract with Disney. So, yeah. um, but you know, Celine Dion. I mean, hmm. 
I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, I, think it's, I think it's incredible. I'm just shocked that she agreed to do it. How'd they get Yanni? <laughs> I, I think they just called him up and he they answered the phone himself. <laughs> no, they, in they, his underwear they, eating Twitter No, no they, they, they walked over to Cosmic Rays where he was bussing tables <laughs> and said, would, you know, would you like to play a song or two? Um, <laughs> so anyway, they, after they told everybody to go over to the Grand Floridian and they, they cautioned everybody that if you get there too early, they're going to throw you out because they wanted to just have the you, – and you know that they wouldn't, but they did this. You know, and they, everybody was supposed to make their way over at 11.30. Now, Disney had to totally set this all up because they thought they were going to be taping this at Magic Kingdom. So they had to totally create, bring the stage over. They had two stages. They oh, put wow. down new carpeting. They had to create bleachers, um, you know, decorate parts. And, and they're doing this in the Grand Floridian. And they're doing this in the Grand Floridian. Wow. Where exactly? She performed down on the, the main level. In the lobby. In the lobby. But they had, like, Christmas trees she's behind now, her. She's now an, an, a lounge singer in the Grand Floridian. And whatever, what's the floor that the, the orchestra plays on? Third floor. Mezzanine. I think it's the third one. Yeah, she went up there and, and did a song. But, I mean, they were laying carpeting at, at that end of the Grand Floridian while she was, like, singing down the other end. So, I mean, this was all happening. But they had us all there for 11.30, and she didn't come out till almost 2. Oh, wow. So we were, you know, entertained by um, Billy Flanagan, who I think is just – he's worked every show in Disney except the Luau. He's worked – he was Ken in the Ken and Barbie show back in Epcot. I think this guy's just awesome. And he's he's like the person <laughs> – how long ago was that? <laughs> him and him and Yanni are roommates. He's he's done this. He's worked. He Ken. He worked for Disney for twenty seven years. He was saying that his kids, back on career day, would hide the paper because he didn't. The kids didn't want their dad to come in and say that he played Ken, you know, Barbie and Ken in Epcot when the, their dads were like doctors and lawyers and. His dad was Ken. Ken Doll. So, in Ken other Doll. words, he was sharing the humiliation that his children felt of his yes. choice of employment. He, he's just, he keeps the crowd. He has so much. I mean, I would have been dragging. And he's up there jumping on stage. And um, he's just keeping everybody involved and trying to tell you what's going on. And as he's up there and he's walking on the stage, there's two, like, stagehands coming up and polishing because I had, like, a, a mirrored floor where Selena was going to sing, and they had two guys up there. You, you know, it's just just seeing the behind-the-scenes of what... So she could check her nose hairs in between songs or <laughs> so something. So we could see up her dress. Yeah, it was it was something else. So this went on for like two and That's a half hours. That's Renee gets to see. <laughs> but moving on, her dress must have been very heavy because she had somebody help, help like, escort her up on stage. Because she's she just a, had this big train. She's a stick figure with well, she a head. To, well, you know, she, while she's singing, she has to pound her chest to restart her heart. <laughs> That's where she goes up an octave. But just picture the Grand Floridian, all the floors, everybody around the balconies. It was just jam-packed. Well, the best it, description I ever heard of Celine Dion is she's Pinocchio <laughs> mixed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Porcelain. I, I thought she Pinocchio was... and Buffy had a love child. Was her little girl there? Her boy. She has a boy. Oh. He just has very long hair. She's never cut his hair. No, he's had it cut. I saw him. Oh, uh, really? Saw him something the other day. He's got yeah. a crew cut and a tattoo. It's shorter. But after all of this, Celine Dion 
to me is a big deal. I always enjoyed her She's music. I love I love her. And there's not too many people I would stand and wait like three hours. Yeah, to no, see. that absolutely. Yeah. But when she started to sing, you know, there was you could hear you know people talking and everything. And when she started to sing, the room just totally got quiet. And now was I'm assuming she was singing. She yes. wasn't lip syncing. Um, you know, shame you have to ask that anymore. But you know. No, so, was, so so Celine shows up at Disney World to do this taping, has all this stuff going on around when any other diva would have been like, everything must stop while I sing. She comes out, she sings live, she gives this, yeah, you know what, good on her. Yeah, it was just... What did she sing, Christmas songs? Or oh, her? Come All Ye Faithful. Oh, great. She does yeah, a great and it just, it just you know, and I'm singing there, I've got like tears in my oh, eyes. Oh, Holy and, Night, her version of Oh, Holy Night, I don't think anybody can ever touch. Yeah, she's just, you know, and I said, I was glad my daughter wasn't there because I would, you know, she would have been yelling at me because I had tears in my eyes. But I'm there like, wow, to be here in Disney and get to see Celine Dion, to me, was just, you know, it was worth getting wet in the morning and standing for three hours. But, you know, when you see it on TV at Christmas time, it's, it's really going to be something. Uh, oh, I, that, yeah, that I don't doubt, you know, really all, all kidding aside. I mean, it's Celine Dion. So um, I just, um, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that, you know, somebody at, at her level. I know there was a lot of people that. around us asking, wondering that same thing. Because like, yeah, well, I mean, because her? you know the uh, you know the other name on the billing was Yanni. Is there a lot? Um, is there anyone a lot? Is there many people bigger? I mean, maybe uh, not, Barbara Streisand. Yeah. yeah, maybe. You know, but uh, wow. Wow, that must have been incredible. I'm impressed. I'm assuming you were not allowed to take any pictures or video or anything like that. Oh, no. What they did is the first time she sang the song, of course, everybody had their cameras and their video cameras and everything. And they let everybody take as many pictures as they wanted. And then the second time that she sang, they said, okay, no, cameras and stuff down. I mean, she sang the same song. She sang, you know. So, oh, good idea. almost like she gave one performance for you guys to be able to capture and then the other one that they were going to use right. on television. That, That's great. Wow. Right. This, this this is making her look real good. Yeah, and I said it was funny, too, because everybody did put their cameras and stuff down. Because you, you, know, you hear these stories right now about, you know, like Mariah Carey requiring 20 white kittens when she does an, an event and all this other nonsense. And then you hear something like this of, you know, a woman of that of that talent just you know she did have a floor polisher. <laughs> well, that wasn't. But I think that was a Disney. That was yeah, a, I don't think she, Disney she wanted asked for the mirrored to look floor. Good. Yeah. Um, you know, probably. I'm I'm pretty sure she probably didn't ask for the mirrored floor. But I, I'm really impressed with how quickly Disney changed this complete situation around, mm-hmm. set up this whole new thing, got everybody organized, had this ability to give you tickets for a certain day and tell you to get here. I mean, that's incredible. I know. I was, I was just amazed because I said, I was standing there, you know, I've done this before. I've been to Disney. It's like, okay, now how are they going to handle this? And it sort of evolved and they're like, well, okay, we're going to have people go out both doors. And then somebody else thought about it and says, no, let's send them all out into the Rose Garden. And it, the line just continually moved. It wasn't like we were all standing there, and people couldn't have been nicer. And they, they really wanted to give you the information, which I thought was really well, great. And when you talk – I'm sorry, Teresa, go ahead. Don't you think they had the backup plan? Oh, I'm oh, sure they did. So they had it in place. I'm sure they have an idea of what they're going to do, but I don't think someone said – Okay, now let's give them tickets for this extra day, and let's. I'm thinking. I'm sure. Well, you know, but you know what? I, um, you know, we 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 heard Lee Cockrell on the cruise talk about a lot of the challenges they had uh, empowering uh, those cast members on the ground to do things, mm-hmm. you know, to respond to unforeseen situations. 
And you know, he talks a lot about that in his book. And I think what you what you see in a situation like that are those leadership strategies and skills that you know Lee pioneered, still at work. That you know here we have this you know situation. Yeah, they probably did have some form of a B plan, whether it was that detailed or not. Who knows? Then again, they've been doing this for you know well, every year for many many years. Like so. with the tickets, like they probably did have a plan, but somebody like held up their soggy ticket because you know we'd all been out in the rain. And they went, well, I don't know if my ticket's going to hold up on Sunday, and is there going to be a problem? And they went, oh, wait a minute, let me, th- let's think about this. And they came back about five minutes later, and that's when they gave everybody a ticket. So it's like, I'm also sure that, like everything else, there's a learning process, and some of these individual things probably happened before. Right. So they say, okay, let's do this, let's do that, and they put it in place. But, but it could have been like mass chaos. It could have been a disaster. Yeah. Oh, sure. sure. There's so many ways that can go wrong. Right. This is why I'm saying that you know. This is one of the things that has made Disney, in many regards, a great company, is that they are able to do um, these amazing shows, whether it's in terms of one of their attractions or in a special case like this with Celine Dion and it's raining and we got to move stages and floor polishers and whatever else into the lobby of the Grand Floridian uh, and pull it off and then have somebody walk away saying, wow, you know, yeah, we waited three hours in the rain and... It was kind of crazy, but, you know, it was worth every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, job done. And they even, they said, we'll send you an email later today if you're going to be here for Saturday's performance or Sunday. And by the time I got home on Friday afternoon, there was an email waiting for me telling me what was going to happen on Saturday and Sunday then, if I was going to come back for those days. So they really were on the ball with getting the information out. So Saturday's parade taping was canceled, and then Sunday they had to do the Jonas Brothers, and that, again, was a 7 o'clock call, and I think they tried to do, like, the Jonas Brothers before the park opened, or probably pretty close to park opening, so that they weren't mobbed. But for all those people that, like, Disney does give you a ticket to get in, if you're walking through Magic Kingdom and they're taping, you're invited to come up and watch. So I know there was a lot of people on the Diz that were upset that they didn't get tickets, but if you're already in the park, you can walk up and watch them do all this stuff maybe you're not right in front of right where they're performing but you could stand there and listen to them same thing at the grand floridian wow it sounds it sounds like it was a you know it, no this wasn't your first taping though you've been no i've done this every year i go i'm not coming back because it's a lot of standing but when i heard and disney was really good this year because usually like a month or so out you know who's coming and this year it was only till like maybe wednesday like two days before they started taping that rumors got out that Celine Dion was going to be there. So they really kept a tight lid on it this yeah. year. They would have been mobbed if it had been. They may not have found out until the two days before that Celine Dion was coming. Well, too. that could be so, too. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's great. That's a, that's a great report on that. So uh, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Kathy and Teresa. Thank you. Uh, Dave Parfit for your great review of Toy Story, uh, or an interview with the uh, Toy Story Mania Imagineers. That is going to do it for our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another episode of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. <laughs>